Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar, and thanks for being here for another episode. Have you ever had a situation, maybe you were going through a hard time and you didn't know how you're going to get through it, and all of a sudden a quote popped in your head, maybe something you read or something somebody told you that just resonated for you that got you through that low moment, or maybe you were, uh, man, you're feeling a little t- tired and all of a sudden you needed a burst of energy and, and something that your coach told you popped into your head and you were able to kind of suck it up and get through that hard time. Well, what I want to do today is I want to share with you 10 quotes that really helped me find my way. These are ones that 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 uh, I repeat either out loud or I hear in my head frequently. As a matter of fact, some of these you've probably heard in other podcasts. Um, but really, I find that that sometimes, man, you know, you need an anchor. You need something to get you through a spot. And that's where having some quotes that you can call upon that you believe in can really make a big difference. So here's my 10 quotes. Uh, the first one is, uh, this comes from Alan Brandt. And I've heard it also attributed to Buddha. I think there was maybe a version that Buddha did that's probably a little different. But basically, it's, Holding a grudge towards someone else is like drinking poison, hoping the other person feels gets sick. One more time. Holding a grudge towards someone else is like drinking poison, hoping the other person gets sick. Now think about that for a minute. Like chances are, uh, most all of us have at one time or another been really angry at somebody and not been able to get that, to let that go. I know when I had a situation where um, a really good friend of mine really... Uh, we were going through a rough patch in business and I was always there for this person and uh, we we're going through a hard spot and I just assumed that he would be there for us and he wasn't there. And uh, it, I don't think that it was a bad person. It was just he was a weak person. He didn't really step up. There's a, another great quote is, is uh, um, hard times don't make the person. Adversity doesn't make the person. It reveals the person. And this person was revealed as like just not really a strong person, but nevertheless kind of left us in a lurch. And and it, it, it caused a lot of stress and we lost money over this and everything. And I'll tell you what, it was a long time before I got over it. And I would think of this person and I might just, man, my blood would start to boil. I'd get so angry. And, and sometimes, man, you know, I'd be drifting off to sleep nicely and all of a sudden, boom, this would pop into my head. Next thing you know, my heart rate would go up and you know, and, and man, I'd start breathing hard, get mad. And the next thing you know, I'd lose a night's sleep over this. And chances are you've had something like this happen to you as well. And I don't know what it was, but something clicked for me that one time I realized that I was letting this person control me, completely control me. You know, I'm, I'm sure they weren't laying awake in the middle of the night or losing sleep over me, but yet I was letting this person that that it did had wronged me several years prior really affect my joy take away my joy right take away my mood and once it really clicked now it's not like instantly i you know i got past it but i just kind of decided to forgive him right in my head and uh and let it go and every time it came up i would i would i would say that quote over and over and over and it's not like once again it's not like uh it was more direction than a cure it wasn't like overnight it was gone but over time I felt that grudge and that anger less and less and less until now. I'm, I'm totally, completely over it. Now, could if I worked really hard, work myself into a frenzy if I really wanted? Uh, maybe not a frenzy, but I certainly could find myself irritated again. But I, I just choose not to do that because I don't want, that's not where I want to live my life. I think some people enjoy being angry. They almost are happy being angry, if that makes sense. And that's just not for me. You know, I, I enjoy waking up. I feel, enjoy feeling good about myself and the people in my life. And, and that quote has helped out a whole lot. So that's the first one. Holding a grudge towards someone else is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will get sick. The next one, I love this. This comes from Mark Twain. 
It's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Let me say that again. It's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. What Mark Twain was referring to is limiting beliefs. Beliefs about the, the, about a situation that we absolutely know to be true that aren't even true at all. And we take action, maybe the wrong action accordingly. So what would be an example of that? So... Uh, you know, a limiting belief is, is a viewpoint we have on the world about uh, about the fact that maybe there's no way that this can get done, right? Now we've all heard about the the situation where the 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 uh, the math teacher puts up uh, this this uh, a math uh, equation or this problem on the you know in, in, you know up on the chalkboard, and he says this is the equation no one's ever been able to figure out. This is the math problem no one's ever been able to figure out before. And by the way, there's one one really brilliant young mathematician that's in the audience that sleep, is sleeping during class. And he wakes up over class and he looks up and he sees this math problem. And he assumes the math problem is, this is your assignment, figure this out. So what does he do? He goes home and he spends the weekend, you know, figuring it out. And he comes back with a solution and he complains to the teacher, comments to the teacher on how hard it was to figure out the solution. And the, and the teacher goes, what do you mean the solution? He goes, well, yeah, that problem you left up on the board that we're supposed to solve. Man, that was a hard one, but I got it. And the teacher said, mate, wait, that's unsolvable. I put it up there just to make a point of you can't solve this problem. And the student goes, well, I guess what? I, I did, right? And it turns out this guy had solved one of the uh, some famous math equation. Well, the reason why is because everybody knew for sure something. I, I mean, excuse me, that the first guy, it's, 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 it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. For all, so all these mathematicians knew for sure you couldn't solve this problem. You know, on a, on a, on a more like, uh, give you a, a personal basis, I, I had, it's, it's all about perception. I, uh, coach businesses, right? And, uh, this literally happened the same day a couple of years back. So in the wintertime, uh, in, in the martial arts business in the wintertime on the East Coast, that affects the tenants. And I had one guy tell me, it was just, this was a few years back when it was absolutely just this brutal winter. And I had one of my clients tell me, you know what? Uh, this wet weather has been terrible. I go, how's business? Because the weather's been terrible. And, and because of that, guess what's happened? Nobody else has anything else to do. So I've got a bunch of new members. We're really busy. So I'm working really hard to get new members in because I know they don't have anything else to do. Uh, I literally, I go, oh, interesting. I get off the phone. I, I'm contacting with this other gal who's got a business in the same basic area about a half hour away and also is talking about the weather. And she says, you know, the weather's so bad. No one wants to get in their car and come to class. So class is, business is terrible right now. So they both interpreted the same situation in a different way and, and responded differently. So the one guy worked extra hard because he was thinking, man, this is my time to capitalize. And because that the other person was, uh, his business was going well, that, that, that second person, she was like uh, convinced that, man, because of the weather, it was going to affect her. So once again, it's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. So what does that mean? Man, I would challenge your limiting. I would make sure, and I try to do it as, as much as I can to challenge my limiting beliefs. Anytime I think, oh, that'll never be done, or you can't do that, I go, wait a minute. Is that really true, right? So remember, it's important if you have a challenge to always position that, to always state that challenge in the form of a question that assumes there's an answer. If you have a challenge, once again, state that challenge in the form of a question that assumes there's an answer, right? And, uh, you know, man, I have a really busy schedule. How can I get all this stuff? There's no way I can get all this stuff done. God, my best schedule is too busy. Or how can I get all these things done even with my busy schedule? And all of a sudden, guess what? You, you give yourself the best chance of coming up with a solution. So the next one comes from Winston Churchill. 
And the quote is, when you're going through hell, just keep going. And, and the whole concept with that, man, there's so many different applications of this. I'm thinking, uh, when this really rang true for me is, is, uh, I've done a lot of extreme day hikes. I've done the Grand Canyon down into, into the, into the, the, from the rim down to the river and back. Uh, I've done that on three separate occasions and, and one time we did the North Rim, which is, uh, which is a long way down and back, makes for a long day. And of course I've done all the hikes around Northern California. And, but the hardest hike for me, uh, was Whitney, Mount Whitney. Now Mount Whitney is the highest peak in the lower 48 states. It stands just a tad under 15,000 feet. And I unfortunately, uh, get, not always, but sometimes we'll get altitude sickness. And on this particular day, I went with my business partner, Dave Chamberlain, my brother-in-law, a guy named Ken and another gentleman named Ken Baum, who's actually a pretty well-known sports psychologist. And anyway, it was the four of us hiked this. And I'll tell you what, I made it to the top. It was so hard. The, the, the altitude thickness, sickness kicked in um, probably two hours from the summit. And I was absolutely miserable. But I also was not going to turn around. Just out of principle, I was going to make it to the top. And the mantra... I, so I got up there and literally, man, I, I was so fatigued. I didn't know how I was going to get the, through the head. The, it, it's the most pain I've ever been. And my, my nose was bleeding. My face was numb. I was, uh, you know, I was vomiting everywhere. I was dehy massively dehydrated. I've never had it to where, uh, I'm feeling, this is the first time I've ever had to where my, my, uh, electrolytes were so off balance that my belly was full of water, but it wasn't digesting. My, my, I, my, my, I was fe I was super dehydrated feeling. It was just a bizarre feeling. And I remember the quote that popped into my head. I'm climbing down the hill and I don't even care. The wind is blowing. It's rocky. It's dangerous. It's like I'm to the point where I almost don't even care if I get blown off the, you know, off the mountain, right? And I remember that the quote popped into my head. You know, and that is when when you're going through hell, just keep going. And that got me to keep stepping and stepping and stepping. And pretty soon, all right, we got we're at 15, and then we're 14, and then all of a sudden we're at uh, uh, 11,000 feet, and I'm feeling a little bit better. By 8,000, man, I'm feeling a lot better. And the bottom line is that that quote that really got me through, that really kept me going when when stuff was rough. So if you're having a hard time, man. If you're going through hell, what do you do? Just keep going. And the kind of the follow up of that. Is, is comes from Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And uh, uh, his line was, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a big knot in it and hang on. Once again, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a big knot in it and hang on. And I'll tell you what, I, I, this has popped in my head so many times, you know, when you're, you're feeling at a loss, like you can't get up, you can't go further. I remember a few times uh, back in 2006, 7, 8, our business, we'd made some really poor decisions and we expanded a little too fast and we were fighting for survival. And uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I was like, oh man, how are we going to get through this? And what would pop into my head is when you're at the end of your rope, tie a big knot in it and hang on. And what that another way of saying is that just suck it up and get through it. Do what you can that day. Don't self-sabotage. A lot of times what happens is we just give up, right? It's what's, what's the long distance runner uh, said, you know, someone asked this ultra marathoner one time, hey man, do you ever want to give up? And the guy says, yeah, I give up all the time when I'm on the long, on the, doing an ultra marathon and you're the last miles. I give up. They go, really? He goes, yeah, I just make sure my feet keep moving, right? So that's the idea, man. You, you keep going through this. You don't satisfy. How many t people do I know that have almost, almost, you know, they've almost gotten through stuff and they just give up? Right. And, and so I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. So if you're going through a hard time, man, you know, it's going to get better. You know, as the Beatles say, here comes the sun. It's going to get better.
All right, so the next one, this originally I, I attributed to my father, but in, in researching for this podcast, I want to make sure I get it right. This actually comes from Dan Millman, who's an amazing gentleman I've had the privilege of spending uh, a little time with. Uh, Dan Millman's the author of a, a book called uh, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And uh, it, I was, I've been to several of events and a really good guy. And one time, I'll never forget, uh, back probably in 2007 or eight. I was a part of Tom Callis's ultimate black belt test. And as part of that, we were doing a, a beach cleaning in San Francisco one day on the, in the Bay in, in San Francisco Bay. And, uh, uh, Dan Millman showed up and I got to share a trash bag with Dan Millman, one of my mentors. And so we cleaned up trash for four or five hours. The poor guy, I just hit him with all these questions about all kinds of stuff. And, and at one point I go, you know, I go, Mr. Millman, man, I had this great life. I, I love what I do. I have this great family, uh, this great wife and, and I, and I've got the respect to my peers, man, I should, I should be happy all the time. I, I get so mad at myself for sometimes I'm down, I'm, I'm low, I'm, I get I'm mildly depressed sometimes. I'll never stop. I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me and, and, he, and he signaled kind of stop with his hands, like time out with his hand. He goes, time out. Never, never apologize for the emotion with which you're, you're, you're feeling. Just acknowledge it and accept it and get through with it. And I thought, wow, that's really good advice, right? And, and, uh, and so that was one thing that popped in. But but the actual quote, a little something is better than a lot of nothing, which I've heard my dad say something similar my whole life, has to do with, and I really apply it, it can be anything, but especially exercise. Man, how many of us don't think we have enough time to exercise because we think we need a half hour, an hour, or, or the gym we go to is across town. And really, man, you can get a lot done in a short period of time. You know, my, my father's daily routine when I was a kid, and up until recently, he's going to be 97 pretty quick here, but up until just a few years ago, and he still exercises. I went by their home, their senior citizen, my wife and I went by to visit him uh, about four or five days ago. And what do you know? I walked by and they have this, you know, this kind of a little, little multi-purpose room that has some machines in there. And he's on the exercise bike pedaling away. And it was so cool to see him do that, right? But a short a, a burst of time towards anything is, is really, you can get a lot done. For example, if you want to learn a foreign language, hey man, yes, it'd be nice if you could do a full immersion and you could, you could if you want to learn Spanish, you could you go to Guatemala and spend six months, yes. But, you know, 10 minutes a day of focused, concentrate effort on your, on your Spanish app, you can make a lot of progress. So a little of something is better than a lot of nothing. The next quote is by Sheryl Sandberg, and and it's the man. This has got me to finish so many projects. And the quote is, "Done is better than perfect." Let me say that again. Done is better than perfect. And how often I'm thinking, I'm proud to say that I've written three books: uh, the Martial Arts Instructor's Toolbox, uh, I believe, was my first book. Uh, a, a dad's toolbox for better parenting. Actually, that was my first book. Sorry, and then uh, brief moments of clarity. Now uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on brief moments of clarity. That's kind of my chicken soup for the soul, so to speak. And it's just a it's a combination. It's a complete compilation of a bunch of of uh, of articles and 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 posts and blogs that I've put up through the years. And and I tell you what, man, you know I was compiling it together, and a lot of it wasn't right. And I wanted to spend a little more time, and I rewrote it, and then I rewrote. It again, and then I looked at it and didn't quite know if I liked it or not. And this quote popped into my head: "Done is better than perfect." And with that, I got the thing published. Right now, is it perfect? No, definitely. But I finished it. And how many of us, man, you know, don't 
Uh, you don't make progress because we're waiting for perfection. And here's what's interesting, especially if you aspire to write a book, you understand that it's never going to be finished unless you make it finished because you, we evolve as people, right? You write something now and, and you read it in a year from now, you're a different person. It might not be the way you communicate now. That's why, you know, it just represents a point in time. And so if you have a project, you're striving. I just popped up on my website, Dave Kovar Live, for my speaking engagements. And man, there's a few more things I want to do, but I'm realizing not, I got to get it going. Done is better than perfect. And it looks pretty good. It's 97% there, I think. And, and so that's a good example. So the next time yourself, you're wondering yourself, should I finish this? Or man, done is better than perfect. The next one, uh, and this one is, I know I've referred to this at least once or twice in earlier podcasts. And this comes from Terry Poxon, one of my students who was uh, years ago, a former student, she's since passed, that was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And and man, she was struggling one day after class and she had this great attitude, And but her body was starting to give on her more and more. And I went up to her after class and I said, Terry, is there anything you can do to make it better? And she said, I know I can make it better because I can make it worse. I know I can make it better because I can make it worse. Probably one of the most profound things that I've ever heard in my life. And anytime I wonder, man, you know, can I get any healthy, you know, what can I do to be, there's nothing I can do to be healthier. Wait a minute. Could I do stuff to get sicker? Yeah, I could. Then therefore there's things I can do to be healthier. Ah, there's, I don't know if there's anything else I can do to make my business stronger. Well, is there things I can do to make my business worse? Yes, there is definitely. Then there's things I can do to make it stronger. So you're wondering, man, you know, wherever you are, can you make it worse? If so, that means you you can't just have it one way. By default, that also means you can make it better. This next quote comes from Stuart Wilde. Stuart Wilde is kind of an irreverent hippie Deepak Chopra, for lack of a better uh, who he is. Um, I, I don't know how else to describe him except that. He, he's a guy, he's a gentleman, has written a bunch of really interesting books. He's kind of out there. I personally enjoy a lot of his writing. And, and uh, in one of the books, he, he makes it. And I've, I've adjusted the quote a little bit. But basically, the quote is, The human mind is easily influenced by anything spoken with conviction. The human mind is easily influenced by anything spoken with conviction. What the heck does that mean? Well, how many times, uh, the, the, if you're in a situation where you're trying to encourage somebody to do something and sell something to somebody, and what I mean is, you know, not, not that, you, okay, certainly sell somebody a used car, yes, but I mean like sell someone on the thought of not giving up, right? Uh, sell somebody on your vision of what you're doing. The most important thing you can do is believe in that. I remember years ago, I went and saw this, uh, This uh, I went to a, 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 a a business event locally and they had several speakers and the keynote was someone that had given 700 keynotes in the past and her resume was very impressive and she came out and and uh and she had you know a very nice presentation uh her jokes were well planned and it was pretty funny and the information was good but being somebody that also is in front of the you know the public uh you know a decent amount i was also aware that she was phoning it in she wasn't all there. It's not that she was a bad person. It's just that she'd given this lecture before and she was kind of on autopilot, right? And she didn't take the time before she went out there and said, yes, I've done this speech before, but I've never done this speech to these people this day and I need to make it my best, right? And so the concept with this, uh, the, the way to look at this is, is that with your, anytime you're going to be doing something, man, make sure to put your spirit involved. And I know sometimes if I, I recently was at an event and, and it was with a bunch of, uh, uh, basketball coaches and, uh, 
and I was speaking in front of him and I was feeling a little bit like, man, what the heck am I doing talking to these guys? I'm a martial artist, right? And, and But then I had to remind myself, no, what I know what I'm talking about and I believe in it, in what I'm doing. And, and really the message was the value of youth sports, right? Usually for me, that means martial arts, but the same concepts can be applied how important it being a coach, believing in your players, believing in your athletes is and how when you get out there, man, you know, you, you, you know, you've got to be all in. And so I decided, you know, just to speak with, with passion and not worry as much that it wasn't my, my, uh, you know, the basketball was not my sport. Right. And because of that, it was really well received because I believe they could feel my passion. Right. Remember the human mind is easily influenced by anything spoken with conviction. So you want to get buy-in, whatever it is, believe in what it is that you're selling. Right. And if you can do that, people just, they just get it. Their heart will resonate with yours. Now I've got a couple more. Uh, the last two are personal. Um, and what I mean by personal, they come from relatives. So at least to my knowledge anyway, the first one is from, I'm going to call him Grandpa Kovar. Grandpa Kovar, his name was Emil. He was my dad's dad. And I remember him well. He was this really cool guy. What was really interesting is he would have been born, uh, I think, and he was born in 1898 and he passed uh, you know, he lived to be about 95 years old, so he passed in the early 90s, I believe. Uh, and uh, in the process, he actually started out, he was an orphan, and uh, he ran away from the orphanage at about 13 and made his way across North Dakota and ended up uh, uh, being picked up on a guy in a, and basically went to work for some guys in literally a wagon train that were building a road across North Dakota. Pretty crazy, right? Well, anyway, he went on to become a tool and die maker, and one of the parts that he made ended up on the moon, right? Uh, so think about that. In one lifetime, he basically was on a wagon train in South Dakota to having a part on the moon. I just think that's amazing. But he was this cool guy and he didn't have a lot of education. He was a World War I vet and, and it just, uh, but, but he had this just, you know, wisdom that comes from years of paying attention, hard times and paying attention, right? And and I remember one time and, and, and uh, he, he said, I was doing something. I don't remember what it was. And, and, I, and I heard him say, Davey, when you're in a hurry, take your time. When you're in a hurry, take your time. I love that. And it's something my father, who would attribute it to his, his dad, he would say, yeah. Yeah, my dad would always say, Lenny, when you're in a hurry, take your time. And I heard him say it firsthand myself, and it's so true. Now, think about that. Like the last time that you were like uh, trying to figure out that you're in a hurry, you're trying to remember what your password is, uh, you know, to your to your 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 combination lock and you're going really fast and you're, man, that's when you take a breath, right? I know uh, there's a military phrase that goes slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And I know as far as in martial arts, if I want as an instructor, if I want my students to learn something as quickly as possible, what do I got to do? Not teach them fast. Have them do that slow and smooth and slow and smooth. So they're doing it correctly and then pick up the speed. And now They'll be able to do it fast. So think about that. The next time you're in a hurry, take a breath and take your time. And chances are you're going to get a lot done. The last one, uh, this is attributed to my father, Len Kovar, who has, of course, been an amazing mentor and, and one of my heroes. And and even now, he's, his memory is not what it once was, but he's still this incredibly optimistic guy that's so sincerely, genuinely interested in the people around him and caring and, and watching him just to continue to take care of my mother. And, and it's, it's just really touching how he is. And, and, you know, one of the things he's, he came out of uh, World War II and he, 
you know, was a, a bombardier navigator. He, he got shot down. He spent nine months as a prisoner of war. He did a bunch of death marches. He saw a lot of bad things. And he came back. Some Everybody comes back. You don't know how an event like that's going to affect you. But he came back with this just really a sense of appreciation. And I know I've, I've shared this a bit before, but one of the things, so the last quote I want to leave you with is from my father. And it's, these are the good old days. These are the good old days. Every time, even to, to matter just the last week when we were over there, this came out of his mouth. Every time we get together as a family, maybe we're going to, the, the families get together and it's a holiday or, uh, or some gathering and maybe we're going to say grace and, and he was a, uh, uh, um, that's what he, he was a pastor. So he would usually leave the, lead the grace, right? First thing he'd say is look around, look at everyone in the room, take a breath. These are the good old days. Well, guess what? These are the good old days. Right, whatever you're going through, you're going to look back on these times right now, and there's going to be parts that have fond memory, and that kind of sums up the word I want to leave you with, which is my favorite word in the English language, and that is savor, savor. Well, you know, when you think of savor, what do you think of? I'm looking out my window, uh, and it's uh, sun is going down, and this is beautiful fall evening. Savor the moment, right? And, and it'd savor time with friends, savor a good meal, savor a sunset. And so I challenge you, wherever you are, take a breath and remember these are the good old days. And thanks a ton for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please share it with other people. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in months. Thanks. Bye-bye.